Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them. And easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome into the Sunday Side Session. I am Mike Schaefer. And this week, joined by a guest that I thought would be the perfect person. For this Sunday, uh, I, I'm not going to lie, I was expecting um, novelty champagne bottles to be popping all over Lincoln uh, yesterday afternoon <laughs> when Nebraska got to their sixth win, uh, guaranteeing a spot in a bowl game in exotic locations like Detroit or New York City. But Nebraska football, as always, uh, at least in recent memory, has done a nice job in reminding me that nothing is ever as easy as it looks like it should be. And it wasn't again on Saturday. And oh boy, does it not look great for the next couple of weeks either. So that's why this person works well in both situations. And that would be Jack Mitchell. Jack, Nebraska's number one super fan. How are we doing today? Uh, two false. It's like the start of a race. Two false starts in a row. Going back to the uh, the starting line to try and maybe have the bowl celebration. I don't know. Do people have bowl celebration? Do people pam- sh- pop champagne to get to a bowl? I might have. I'm not sure. It would have at I, least been a, a mental celebration at this point, and I anticipated it now for two weeks, and I guess a third now. Well, now it's going to become more of a, instead of just being excited that Nebraska is back to reaching postseason play, as low of a bar as that is, now, if Nebraska is able to accomplish it, it's going to be more a sense of relief that they didn't finish the season um, sitting on the precipice of going to a bowl game, five and three, four games, including two that felt very winnable in the moment. And I would argue, two that still feel winnable going forward. They just feel less winnable because of what Nebraska has been accomplishing on their own. Uh, so I think it's it's turned, in, at least in my mind, at least on the message board, from a opportunity to feel good about things to an opportunity to just not hurt anymore for a brief second. Does, is that a good way to describe where Nebraska football finds itself here? Yeah, I think so. To reach now, the third weekend in yeah, November? I, I, I think so. Um, I, I guess for, for me at least, and I don't know if the fan base, I think maybe I tend to do this a little bit more than the rest of the fan base does, but like these two games in particular when the schedule comes out, they they've got a little bit more. They've got a little. They're printed in a little bit bigger font. These are these are two to the extent that I get excited about the game because of who the opponent in is. These are those two games, and I think ideally, Mike, I loved the idea that Nebraska had two shots, and presumably they would get bowl eligible, and so that was off the table for these two games. And now you just you know you are playing with house money, so to speak, against teams that you really wanted to beat because of who they are and heck maybe make a crazy situation in the big 10 West happen. Now the bull thing is still lingering over these games. And I don't know how much of that plays into, you know, the, the walls of, of Memorial stadium and, and thinking about that. I, I know they've kind of downplayed the discussions about it, but I can't imagine Mike, that isn't a huge deal despite, despite what they've said. And so that ratchets the, you know, kind of the clenching up just a little bit more, for each of these games, and especially if you would get to that final game against Iowa with it. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's just – it's not an ideal situation. These It's it's hard not to look at at these last two games as huge missed opportunities to 
have kind of really clinched, I think, what, what would have felt like the most most of the fans considered a, a, a successful season, especially given all the circumstances. And now there's a scenario out there, uh, unfortunately, that is is within reach where you don't make a bowl game, you go 0-2, and I don't even really want to think about think about what sort of discussions that spurs up for the entire offseason. Uh, it's just, wow, it's worlds away from where you were two weeks ago. Yeah, it uh, it certainly does not look or feel good at the moment. I, part of it for me with, with Nebraska right now is they have three losses that feel absolutely the same. And there's, I guess you can view that in two lenses. You can look at it like, okay, it's fairly consistent what their shortcomings are and how they're going to be limited and why they're losing these games. And then you can look at it in another way where you know this is sort of the recipe for how things haven't gone well. What can we do to help avoid that from playing out? And what I'm talking about is the Minnesota game, the Michigan State game, and the Maryland game are essentially all the exact same. You have a three-point loss. Two of them came on the final play of the game. One of them came a little bit earlier, but still resulted in the final handful of plays mattering because you were trailing by three and attempting to endeavor to get a game-tying field goal uh, at Michigan State. All of them feature the same exact thing, which is just crippling, debilitating quarterback play at times when you could not afford it. Two of them feature turnovers, actually three of them, three turnovers out of three games occur with interceptions in the end zone. Uh, two on absolutely inexplicable passes. One on, uh, you know, what Matt Rule thought was pass interference. I just regard as a horrendous throw from Jeff Sims featuring some terrible mechanics that he has showcased in his first game. Um, you know, so Jack, it's just like, I look at all three of these games and it's a fairly simple thing. The offense just cannot do enough and then the quarterbacks, and I have to say quarterbacks, could not stay out of their own way, and nor could the play calling. Like, I I was absolutely incensed in Minnesota when they just didn't take the field goal and go 3-3 three to three at halftime. Brunts and I are sitting there having deja vu, having the same conversation. Hey, you know, just like run the ball here if you can get in, great. If you can't take the three points, make them drive the entire field and beat you with a touchdown to win that game, or you go to overtime, or you get a stop. And I still cannot believe that with your third-string quarterback, a guy that largely is viewed, I think, over there, and certainly viewed by some outside of the walls, as just never really going to have the factor, the it factor, to be able to, to play – and you put the ball in his hands and you let him throw in that situation. I like I, I'm just stunned. The first play being what it was, Matt Rule said it was a run. You know, he pulled it out, threw it away, whatever. That third play inside, you know, the 10-yard line, and you're letting Chuckle Purdy throw. I mean, that loss is on a coaching decision, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. As much I, as it was on anything else. Like that, it, there's back-to-back games. I've just been like stunned by some coaching decisions in the moment that don't make sense to me. I, I agree. I mean, the they should have absolutely in, in, in hindsight, but I think in the moment, I think the reason this one really sticks out, Mike, than sometimes other coaching decisions is I think a lot of people were either sitting in the stadium or sitting on their couch and saying, just get the field goal. Yep. We're saying that in advance instead of retrospectively after you saw how it played out. And I think that's added a little oomph to it. And I agree. I agree with it. That's what I thought in the moment. I think you know, especially if you want to dig a little deeper on thinking about that process, the ability to take time off the clock or to make Maryland use their timeouts too right. would have been, and and they're saying on that, on the, what would it have been? Second down play uh, where Purdy ended up throwing it away, that that was First actually down. called a run. First down, yeah. First down, and he kind of improvised on that one as well. So, you know, I guess, what do you do on that? And then they, they were runs. But if you make sure that one's a run, you run the clock all the way down. Then they, I think they had the loss to Emmett Johnson run the clock all the way down. I'm not sure how much they even ran the clock down after that play. Uh, and then you run a third run, ideally, and run the clock down again. And I don't know. I haven't done the math yet, Mike, on where it would have been, uh, which would be interesting to see. Because, But I think I think you would have been maybe, I don't know, what do you think, like two and a half minutes, 2.15, yeah. under two? We were, 
we were talking about it and sort of the joke that we had is that the the Emmett Johnson run got too many yards too quickly so you weren't going to be able to choke out enough clock to just kick the field goal right and That's and end the game that way which was uh, a great which run was, which was more tongue in cheek because obviously you're taking that run you're taking that situation and set you up for an easier field goal you're going to take the points right well you know, I, the map would have basically, I think, taken it right inside of 230, assuming they don't use timeouts there, which it's, it's hard to know. Um, I would think after the first two runs, they probably take one on that third. If you stop them third and goal, they're probably taking a timeout there. So you're okay, probably yeah. looking more at three minutes left on the clock. But no um, t- timeouts gone. Yeah. Right. And, and so I, and it's not even so much that. It's that if you believe that this team's better unit is its defense, take the damn points and make them drive the entire field for a touchdown. Like, I, I just, it's not hard. I right. I don't, I thought Matt Rule's answer on Saturday was probably about as big of a, a verbal misstep. Like, he knew what the question was and, toes, and, and just chose to basically say what the route was. Like, that was, you know, I mean, he didn't explain why the hell you're throwing the ball with Chubba Purdy in a critical situation with a guy that barely, you know, you sat through so much bad quarterback play over the last five weeks at times. And this guy only sees the field after Jeff Sims throws another mind numbing interception. I think it's like 11 turnover and 11 quarters of action this year. That's how Chubba Purdy gets on the field, which mind you started inside its own, what uh 10 yard line for the right. 700th time this season, setting a new record. Um, and you let him throw the – I don't get it. I just don't. Yeah. And so then the, the the answer after the game, I just – I don't know if it's frustration on my part because it just was blatantly poor coaching uh, or what, but I thought that was a misstep from Rule on that answer. I think there's an easy way to just be like, you know what, in hindsight, we shouldn't have made that call, blah, 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 and you move on, and I think people accept it. The way he sort of answered it was just kind of like, well, you know, it was a – there's a corner, and you look at that play, and you look at the route running's terrible. Here's the other thing. You don't have good receivers. You don't have people to throw to in that situation. You have freshmen. You have Billy Kemp limping around who barely, you know, wasn't the same guy. I mean, he had a nice 25-yard reception on that. But it just – I just cannot fathom what the thought process was that led to that third down play call. I really can't. I, I just yeah. can't. I can't. You know I can't give the benefit of the doubt to anybody in that situation. Not Satterfield, not Rule, whose job it is, is to determine what the course of action is. And sure as hell not Chubba Purdy on what he saw on that throw. I just, I, I, I'm at a loss. I don't get it. It's just the, the simple things, the easy decisions, all of the stuff that we've talked about for what, over a decade now? And it felt like they were finally doing some of this stuff right in October. It felt like they had an, an ethos and a strategy for how they were going to win. And then we've just seen that all blown up in two weeks in November. And oh, by the way, here's a game against Wisconsin that got their ass absolutely kicked by Northwestern. And nobody can feel like Nebraska actually is going to win that game because you've just watched them give away back-to-back games to Maryland and Michigan State, teams that in your head you know are worse than Wisconsin. It's just a weird feeling, I think, for the fan base right now. Yeah, and I think you're, I mean, I think you're probably preaching to the choir on the call. I mean, that's about the most unanimous take about the game that anybody's got is that uh, that should not have been a pass and there should not have been a risk. They should have kicked a field goal and give Maryland the shot. And the thought is, you know, probably worst case scenario, they get in position for a field goal, just assuming uh, the defense does what it normally does. That said, like, and so I know people are uh, have been, Frustrated with the coaching staff because of that. But to me, like the systemic issue is a, is a much bigger one at this, at that quarterback position. And that's the fact that here you are in November 12th and whether, whether through roster building at the beginning of the year or through development during the current year, whatever it is that you are in a situation where not one, not two, not three, you do not have a quarterback on the roster that you feel comfortable with anybody feels comfortable with that just keeping the ball, just not turning the ball over. There's not a quarterback on the roster. And this now you're now in a spot, Mike, where it's not because you've lost two quarterbacks. You've got all the quarterbacks you started the season with. You've got them all. But by November, you you have not found a way to either take what you got and make it, make it work to some degree 
whether it's through play calling, whether it's finding that one guy, whether it's developing these guys. And number two, and, and then number two, the wider range is, is, you know, how do you enter into the season? How did you get to this point with a roster composition that you're that way as well? Like those are the, you know, in the moment, I agree. I mean, I obviously agree with you on the play call, but the more concerning thing to me and the one that they're going to have to address in this off season is, is that whole thing because you can't, I mean, goodness sakes, serviceable quarterback this year. Again, we're doing this, Mike serviceable quarterback this year, right. That isn't turning the ball over. What a difference it would have made. What a difference yeah. it would have made. We were ta- doing the same thing last year too. Yeah. And, and, and that's definitely, I mean, that's the biggest off season discussion that we're going to have. It's not, you know, um, Oh yeah. It, it's, it's not anything besides the quarterback. There's no, you have such a weird litany of options and oh by the way all of those guys would be eligible to return should they choose to uh so you have that you have daniel kalen coming in but i don't think he's going to be ready to just step in and play high level college football after one spring semester i just you know having watched him i i think he could be helpful down the line uh but i'm he's not going to be ready right away you're going to go into the portal and then there's going to be conversations of do you go get somebody young that you can sort of develop over time do you get someone that's an immediate senior that can give you a lift right away for the first year of 2024 while you develop your quarterback room in general? I mean, those are those conversations that you're going to have in the off season. But I also think that you should know and have the gauge of what you have right now. You have to be able to figure out with what you, what you have, how you can win. And it's just a little dumbfounding that they can't put themselves in position to just take points or to, to to make easy play and it's it's not I don't even know that this is on the coaches I don't know sometimes what Jeff Sims or Heinrich Harburg and certainly Purdy on that one throw I don't know what they were seeing on the field it's like they just don't have they don't have the wherewithal or the vision to sort of see the defense for what it is like they're you know both of Jeff Sims interceptions I have no idea what he was throwing you know, the the one in the end zone, he first of all throws off his back foot and just floats it. I think it was a double move. Coleman, they obviously felt like got held. You're still throwing into double coverage of a safety over the top. And then the corner out, again, you're throwing into double coverage with somebody over the top. I don't know where that throw was supposed to be. I don't know if the route was run wrong. Um, but it just, it felt like one of the crappiest arm punts in, in Nebraska history. Uh, so part of it is it's hard to manage a game too when you don't even know what the performance you're going to get out of these guys. Heinrich Harburg's interception, again, double coverage. Not sure why he's trying to force that ball in there in that moment. Uh, and that's coming off of an interception that was even worse that was taken away because of a penalty. I just, uh, I'm at a loss sometimes for what the actual decision-making is. I can't imagine that's what they're being coached or what they're being told. Um, and then it, it turns around to, is there a way that they can get even more restrictive with the offense? And I don't, I don't think that they can teams, teams are basically just daring them to throw the ball. I mean, Maryland safeties were never further than eight or nine yards back yesterday. I mean, they were just sitting right in the middle of the box and you have like almost 10 guys in the box. It's hard to run. I I understand why they're not just straight up trying to run all the time, but man, it just, I, I don't know that there's a great answer for what you can even do of your quarterbacks with these remaining two weeks. Yeah, I, I, and I don't know, but my point is is that you have these these kind of gaudy turnover numbers week after week after week after week all the way into November, not with one guy, but now with three guys out there. Like, that not getting better somehow, I don't, I mean, in various ways, whether it's scheming, whether it's doing what you're talking about, going more ultra-conservative, whether it's play calling, whether it's coaching, whether it's working during the week. To, I mean, there just haven't been any results in fixing that. It's been, it just hasn't gotten fixed. It's unfixable at this point. We now bake it in. I baked it in before this game, Mike, and I was right to do that when I think about this game. We, we've talked about this before. Like, what do we joke I, that two turnovers, two turnovers is an acceptable amount. That's what we talked about on yeah, Friday. I would say three. I think I assume three turnovers now yeah. at this point going into a game, and I will against Wisconsin, and it'll, I mean, it'll probably happen. And that's, yeah. you know, and that that didn't even count somebody else getting a random fumble or a special teams, you know, 
play where you you have a turnover as well. And then um, the here's the crazy thing, Mike. Too these quarterbacks, and I think each of them had one of these during this game. These quarterbacks will occasionally. I mean, they'll occasionally hit a pat. They'll have a they'll have a good throw, and it is uncanny how often right when they do that, there's a drop. Like it's, it's amazing. There were there were a couple of them this week. There was a couple of them last week where it's where it's finally there. You finally got what you were looking for, and it was it was dropped. And that just the combination of all of those things just makes for a pretty painful cycle for a passing offense. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's uh, let's take a quick timeout. We'll come back. We're going to dive into what we saw from Nebraska's defense. We'll get Jack's early thoughts on the uh, the upcoming Wisconsin game. All that more here on the Sunday side session. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. So Nebraska's defense once again put together what feels like a Herculean effort. Um, if I was better at my Greek mythology, I would have given you the guy who pushes the boulder up the hill, uh, which I, I think I always want to call syphilis, but that's not what it is. Sisyphus. Yeah. Sisyphus. That's it. You know, <laughs> syphilis, Sisyphus, same thing, right? Yes. You know, that's, uh, that's exactly the same thing. If you have to look those up, you wouldn't be surprised to see that they're the exact same thing. Uh, but, yeah, that's what it feels like for Nebraska's defense. Another great effort. Uh, Talia Tungavailoa had more than a third of his passing yards on two drives yesterday. They came where he hit, like, the one really big throw to then set up the touchdown on a two-play drive, two-play, 69 yards. And then on the final drive of the first half, he hit another big throw, and then they ended up going backwards because of just – stupid decision-making, but he essentially, Jack, he threw for 283 yards yesterday with 120 of those coming on two drives. The rest of the game, Nebraska allowed 22 completions for 163 yards in which he really didn't do much, but he was able to extend some plays with his feet. Uh, they, they got a critical pass interference call that I still don't know how or why that call is made. Receiver clearly grabs Tommy Hill and pulls him into him uh, to draw the contact there. Um, but that sets up their final drive. They have a, a couple big runs, actually. And it just felt like Nebraska's defense did everything they needed to do in a game where everyone was worried about their ability to stop the pass. And, oh, by the way, they don't have Quentin Newsom. They didn't have Quentin Newsom the entire game in what is arguably the most difficult matchup quarterback-wise and wide receiver-wise that you were going to get. You don't have your best corner. You don't have your NFL corner. Um, and they still played really well. They forced them into turnovers. Uh, they gave them team every opportunity to win that game. I, I'm almost out of words about how good this defense has been. And now, Jack, my fear is that there's just – I don't know that there's enough left in the reserve for two more games of this. I just don't know that they can keep tamping down an offense to the level – that you only need two touchdowns to win a damn game twice in the Big Ten, and you can't do it offensively. Um, I, I'm just not sure that that they can keep doing this, but I, I'm amazed at their ability each week to, to put themselves in position to allow Nebraska to win games despite repeated offensive ineptitude. Well, I, I mean, I guess one one reason maybe to have a little bit of you know optimism on that end of the ball is that you're going to face a couple of offenses that are not really going to be as good at uh, about hitting your Achilles heel, especially Iowa, 
uh, as as this last matchup was. And Michigan State did it as well. But I mean, like you look at the you look at the and, and again, it feels weird. Like when we're doing the defense, Mike, it's like we're really nitpicking um, as compared to the offense where it's like a broad right. look at at things. But if you are going to nitpick like they got they got beat and we saw it against Michigan State, they're they're giving up some big plays on 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 long passes and they looked they kind of looked the same on saturday it was a double move situation that was happening and you didn't get safety help over the top after the corner was beat on those situations you saw it two or three times in big plays uh the pass interference play was kind of like that as well and so those are the, those are the moment and then a team and, and then they've also been pretty um pretty solid tackling this year situationally they just missed a couple of them like in super key moments as well this week and that was you know because there's a scenario i mean I, ideally if you if you're kicking that field goal right uh at the end of the game that we've debated already uh but there's still a scenario where maryland doesn't go anywhere and you're going into overtime right hopefully that's what happened and and all of a sudden the offense kicked into gear that pass interference call definitely helped the situation but right after that they had the the longest run of the day that was inexplicable the way yeah. that it looked it and, was and the, they checked into that. Maryland saw they had definite numbers on that side. Nebraska was overloaded on the right. other side, and they just they checked right there. into it and twenty four yard run. There was nobody there. That was a backbreaker because, like, hopefully they're still you know if they don't get that or get just a reasonable three to five yard run, they're still kicking a forty yard field goal, right? Hopefully in that in that situation. And then Tunga Vailoa got the run, I think, after that as well mm-hmm. on a scramble that put them way up close. So a couple of runs there, and so. Yeah, they they still had had the option, uh, the chance to do it, but they they played well, obviously well enough to win. This was, um, yeah, this Tunga Vailoa didn't completely tear them apart, but and they got turnovers too, Mike. Uh, yeah. They got turnovers, but and that was that was the problem against Michigan State, right? That in that one, if they get turnovers, it probably looks different. This one, they got they got some, including an incredible right by right by the goal line there. Um, to, to turn the fortunes of the entire game it looked like at that point but you still you had so many on the other side that it just it wasn't enough and little things they could have done too to still win this game but it goes back to what we've talked about on my show mike like you've either if the offense is going to do this the defense has to pitch a no hitter right not not a not a four hitter with a couple solo home runs the last two weeks it's been a good pitching outing but not a perfect game not a no hitter essentially yeah, it's a it's a tough uh, tough line to walk. I mean, it's really hard to to ask defenses to to have to be perfect, especially when you know there's other teams are being set up with incredible field position. That entire first half felt like Maryland basically started every drive on on their own forty two yard line. Nebraska starts every drive on their own eight. Like that's mm-hmm. just a really hard you know. And your offense doesn't move the ball far enough to help flip the field or you turn the ball over right at midfield or in your own territory as often as Nebraska does, um, then it just allows for that to, to continue. I mean, it's just a, uh, it's tough. It's like I said, it's it, my, my fear with these final two games is that they've been playing even, even just giving up the four hitter with a couple solo home runs. That's you should be winning these games. Like that that's good enough defense to win in the big 10. Uh, and they're not able to take advantage of it. And now it's just like the expectation is you're playing these bad offenses. You should, certainly shouldn't be giving up the four hitter well, up a couple solo, solo well, home runs. And it's hard to imagine that they're just going to be able to shut down either of these teams as inept as they've been. Uh, and as we look at this Wisconsin game, Jack, I mean, what what are your sort of your your early your early view on it here a week out? Well, I know there's a lot of people who who are just like, well, the season, Nebraska's not winning again. Season's over. I guarantee you, there are Wisconsin fans who are saying that right now after watching. Well, there's a lot of Big Ten fans saying that. Yeah, what? What? Yes, Minnesota, and yeah, no, I got you. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, I and I, I mean, I do think this group. It is such a weird. It, I know I heard people say well, Nebraska's schedule this easy is easy this year. Well, I mean, let's be honest. The Big Ten is two groups of teams, or maybe three. It's Michigan and Ohio State in Group A, and then maybe Penn State in Group A one, and then it's the rest of the teams. It is the and they they all there's none of them that is considerably better than the others, and right. none of them that is considerably worse than the others. That's a group of what twelve teams, right? They're, they're it, it, it every single one 
is in that that same group. And so, and and I think they all kind of probably look at their own foibles and think that think that they're the worst when their fan base is down at this point. So I mean, it's it's feeling it's feeling incredibly down. I mean, they got a I think they got a garbage touchdown against Northwestern. They had three points throughout that entire game against yeah. a Northwestern defense that has not been particularly stout this year necessarily. And they had their starting quarterback back in that game. Mordecai and played. And Allen game. was available. And Allen was, was available. Yeah. And it, and so uh, by no means am I saying Nebraska is going in and win this game, but I still believe there is no change for me in belief that because of what happened this week, that every single game can be won and every single game can be lost. And every team can have a horrendous week. Uh, and every team can have a week weekend. That's good enough to, to win the game. Like Nebraska, Nebraska beat Michigan State, Northwest, or excuse me, beat Northwestern, Illinois, Purdue, and they lost those other. I mean, that basically shows it. You can go one way to the other. You can go that way to this way. Even because the offense, let's be honest, Mike, offense out there like on Saturday was the same offense that was out there in the games that they won. Yeah. Yeah. It, it the, just, the difference they didn't hit a big just pass play. That's the difference. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was just that there were three quarterbacks doing it this time. But it was, it was this, I mean, those have been the same. That hasn't changed in any of yeah. these games. So I don't know why I would, I, I feel like now considerably totally different about this team than I did after they beat Purdue or after they beat yeah. Northwestern. It's, there was nothing surprising. There was nothing surprising. They're still who I thought they were at this point, And they can still go in. I think Iowa may be a little bit different now, just because they've had, they've, they looked, they looked pretty good again. Uh, and they seem to have figured a little bit out with that offense now. Um, at least they did against Rutgers. We'll see. But especially this Wisconsin game, either way, could go. Nebraska can win it. It can go either way. It absolutely can. If you, if they could, they haven't been able to. If they could make this offense somewhat turnover tamp down, if you could get it to two, they absolutely can. But I just don't know if they can. Yeah. I don't know if they can, I, and then the and then the defense would have to pitch the no hitter if that right. happens. I I think for me the biggest thing with the offense is they've lost the boom portion of it. I mean, you had the forty five yard touchdown to Malachi That's Coleman. True. That's true. That was a backbreaker in the Northwestern game. You had the Jalen Boyd touchdown early in the Purdue game. You had big plays uh, at times against Illinois. You had some big throws down the field, but they're not. Nebraska hasn't had a forty yard pass play in the the Northwestern game. Or excuse me in the uh, Michigan State game or in the Maryland game. Like, they're not getting throws downfield, and they have to hit those. Like, I I understand there is a level of fan out there that wants Nebraska to run the ball 99 times and throw it once. Realistically, that's not what's going to happen. They ran the ball 65% of the time on Saturday. That might be hard for people to believe because in their head, they seem to think Nebraska threw it 65% of the time. They did not. They ran it 65% of the time. They got, like, 183 yards. And a lot of that was some late stuff with Chubba Purdy scramble and Emmett Johnson with a 29-yard run. Those added to what was a terrible running day for them. Why was it a terrible running day? It's hard to run with 10 guys in the box. You have to be able to hit a pass over the top. You need Alex Bullock to catch the sort of twisting away throw that Heinrich Harburg hit him in the hands on. Like He's got to be able to make that catch. We see other teams make that catch. He has to be able to make that catch. You've got to be able to get the ball to some of your receivers down the field. Like, that's where the quarterback, that's where you would hope, you know, when Jeff Sims came in, the way my brain works, it's like, okay, maybe he can hit one of these throws down the field, and that's going to sort of be the backbreaker. Like, he's still going to have his issues, but if he can just hit one of these throws to Malachi Coleman, that could be enough to be the difference in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. He couldn't do it. That's a good point. It's and a Joe fair point. definitely can't do it. He doesn't have the arm strength to be able to throw down the field. Like, it's just, it, it is, they have to be able to get chunk plays in their passing game. And it might only be one or two a game, but that's how they did it against Illinois. That's how they did it against Northwestern. That's how they did it against Purdue. And these last two weeks, they haven't been able to hit those throws. And they don't have good receivers at the moment. They don't have a good quarterback. They have to scheme that up and it has to just work or they have to get a bust. And one of the amazing things to me is that when they have gotten bust, their quarterbacks can't see it. Like we're up there in the box and you can just see a guy running wide open. And you're like, well, you know, if it was PlayStation and I hit X right now, we'd be in the end zone. 
It's not PlayStation. The quarterback doesn't hit X. Too often they hit square, and then that ball is either getting picked off, batted in the air, thrown into the ground, thrown over, right. whatever. Uh, it's it's just they as much as everybody would like to see them run the ball a hundred percent of the time. And again, we started this show with me talking about how they shouldn't have put it in the air on that third down, a little bit different circumstance. They still are going to have to throw it 15 to 20 times a game. And they're going to have to hit two to three of those to have a chance against Wisconsin or Iowa. There's no way they can win those games barring, you know, if you get an interception return for a touchdown, you get a special teams touchdown that can kind of change the equation too. They're not getting those. You know, they, they have one entire one this year. The defense hasn't scored. Um, they have to hit on a big passing play, I think, to, in order to beat Wisconsin or Iowa. I mean, it has to be done. That was part of the recipe for October. It had to and it would help. November. It would help if you were playing with a lead and not from behind when that yeah. happened. Well, and they had a lead to start the fourth quarter. First play of the fourth quarter. That's true. Jeff Sims fumble. And he fumbled because one guy, number two from Maryland, got a finger, an index finger, on a football that he was carrying. Like I, it's, it's inexplicable. First play of the fourth quarter, you're up 10 to seven and he fumbles. Like, right. It's just, uh, you right. know, but to your original question though, what does it mean for the, you know, the outcome of the next game? And, and of course, I guess things could completely fall apart and the defense might not be where they are, but still it's not a hard formula to still win that game, given where everything is. And those things can happen you're right you didn't get the the two play two plays two chunk plays in the past game but they have and they can and wisconsin is not a defense that completely eliminates that and you might say well nebraska doesn't have a quarterback that can do it well they did i mean they harburg did it right yeah. three games harburg did it they do have a quarterback that can do it will they i don't know but like there's nothing insurmountable that they haven't already done that they you know that goes into the formula of winning the game it's not a complex formula Either either defense completely pitches a shutout, right, and the offense is what it is and maybe gets a chunk play, or defense has an okay game, a good game, and the offense has to make up a little bit more about it, or you got to have a big special teams play in, in that whole thing, like they did that against Purdue. So it's it's all been done. It could be done once again. There's no reason to think it's impossible. Uh, there's nothing about Wisconsin. I know we see the W on the helmet, and, and we think, oh, boy, power running game, offensive line. Watch them. Watch them before you say that. Right now, especially. Watch them. I did yesterday. Whew. I got like it was a, and, and again, same. These, there's a Wisconsin 24 7 podcast happening right now in, in Madison with probably uh, two not as good looking guys from Wisconsin. And they're saying, I don't know. I don't think we've got a chance to win again after what we saw on the field on Saturday, right? Nebraska lost, but they only lost by three. They lost by three. It took them giving up the ball four times to have that. We weren't even Five close times. in our game. Five times. Five. Times. That's what they're saying there. I guarantee that conversation is had. Every team that loses a game that makes them, the, the, the fan base of the team that loses a game, like just naturally hyperbolically gets gets completely pessimistic about everything that's possible going forward it's happening here it's happening there it's happening everywhere it's like roy kent yeah do you <laughs> roy kent look at you throwing in a uh a ted lasso uh reference yes. here all right let's let's finish with this jack mitchell assuming all three quarterbacks are available to varying mm. degrees i don't know that heinrich harburg would be a hundred percent but let's say he's good enough to play uh, you have your choice of these three quarterbacks. Do you go with crazy legs, Chubba Purdy? Do you go with uh, Jeff Sims and hoping that this is the game where it all comes together? Or do you revert back to your starter from this weekend who had a uh, two-carry, no-yard day, one-of-five pass completion, no-yard day, Heinrich Harper? I got to admit. What do you pick, for Jack Mitchell? I've got to admit, for as painful as this is, this is very fascinating and how you make this decision, to be honest. I agree. I'm with you. Um, um, I don't know. I wish I understood more about what's happening with Harburg, uh, kind of kind of physically and what, how mm -hmm. long that's been impacting him. And the coaches probably have a better idea of that. And so I say this admitting that I don't fully know that and have a, have a chance. I, I mean, I think... 
if you get, if you believe if you're that coaching staff, you believe that a big part of why Harburg hasn't been himself, which is how Matt Rule termed it on the radio broadcast at halftime, uh, is is a physical issue that seems to have been healed up by the time Wisconsin goes. I think you probably go with him, but I mean, it's it, it was hard not to watch that last drive, and I. I I know what you were saying about arm strength. I know I know you've got some skepticism too that you said you've heard, but I don't know. I saw that last drive and outside of the interception, I was impressed with Chubba Purdy. I was impressed with the way that he ran. I was impressed that he showed a little I thought he showed a little fire that that the quarterbacks now, I think Harburg showed that at first, but I think he's gotten had all these mistakes that have gotten in his head and I think that's changed a little bit and then that's in addition to the physical limitations. Um and so, I, I mean, I sort of lean Purdy right now. I would, I, th- I think I would like to see Purdy right now. And I know I'm going off a small sample, but he looked like he was relishing the opportunity to be out there. And we're at a point where that counts when you're making this. I mean, Doug Rule actually said that. I'm looking for somebody who wants to do this at this point, and Harburg did, and and you know maybe Purdy does as well. Um, I think that's where I go. I don't know. Where would you go? I think you're going to say Harburg, but I don't know. I'm going to say Harburg if he's healthy. If he's not, then it's probably going to be Jeff Sims. Um, you know, I don't, I don't love that. That's not my, my preferred choice. I mean, we can, we can talk about Chubba Purdy if you want, and we can go and pull up last year's stats and look at what he did in that. And we can look at that throw from Saturday and conclude a very simple thing. I think he's had like 10 drives over two seasons and he's led to points twice. I mean, I just don't, uh, obviously two different teams. Here's the thing. Last year, he's throwing to Trey Palmer and Marcus Washington. They still right. couldn't score. Granted, uh, different offensive coordinator, different offensive system. Doesn't really that relevant. The offensive line is better this year. I think Emmett Johnson looked better on Saturday. I would like to see him continue to get involved in a yeah. way. Uh, that you know could could highlight and take maybe some of the stress off of whoever your quarterback is. I have no desire to watch Chubba Purdy play again, but that's just me. If that's who it is, we'll see. That's that's got to be ba- oh, so. You're mainly basing that on last year because that. that I mean, I thought what, that what drive, else did I base it on? He came in and he threw an last interception drive. Yes, last drive I going mean, night. Listen, there's I a low bar to clear here. There's a low bar to clear here, Mike. I know he threw the interception at the end, but I mean, when he got the ball at the five yard line or the three yard line, I was like, oh boy, I bet this guy's really going to be able to come off the bench and take him all the way down the field. He did. He did. He took, he set him up for the game winning field goal. He did it. He had a 20 yard, he had a 20 yard scramble. He had a three yard completion to Kemp that turned into 25. And he had Emmett Johnson run for 29 yards. I mean, they had their best chunk drive of the entire day. And he killed a play to throw it out of bounds, stop the clock. He threw an intercept. Like, I, I'm not sure why I should be over the moon or. You're be- not. It's not about over the moon. It there there the- are people. Trust me. There are people that were, you know, are over the moon about the Chubba Purdy performance yesterday because they've been like, hey, you got to give Chubba a chance. You got to give Chubba a chance. Whereas all okay. I saw was the interception. All right. Well, putting that aside for a second, because whatever. I, I did think, and I don't know what this counts for, but did you think that for a while, once Sims first went in, before he started giving the ball away, the offense just looked smoother for a little while when yeah, Sims got in I, there? I did, actually. Um, and that's what that's what's frustrating about it. But as soon as you saw that first interception that he threw, where he just sort of lobs it off of his back foot, yes, just yeah. half-ass throw into double coverage, it reminded me of why... I soured I on him as yes. quickly as I did in the first two games. But I, right. I saw the same thing you did because it felt like it felt like they were significantly more dangerous. And then he had a couple runs that reminded me of, okay, this guy is still a weapon running the football. I mean, it it didn't, you know, he had that touchdown run against Colorado that I think anyone, any of those three quarterbacks would have scored on because it was that spectacular of a of a bust um, for the Colorado defense. But he ran hard in the Minnesota game. He had a couple runs where it looked like he was a, a broken tackle away from at least like a 35-yard run, if not longer. And and I was I was talking myself into that. I really was. But then you have that first interception and then that damn fumble where, you know, again, it was a stupid play. He's trying to come around the end. If he just gives himself up, you live for another play. He doesn't. 
He's carrying the ball out wide. I mean, it, it just – and it was one finger. It, it, you know, it wasn't like Charles Tillman came into the game uh, and did the peanut punch here, and it was some sort of like, you, you know, just bad luck situation. It wasn't Terrence Nunn catching a three-yard pass and having a safety's helmet perfectly hit the ball and collectively making everyone hate their lives in 2006. No, it was a guy's finger tapping the ball out of your six-foot-four, 215-pound quarterback's hands. You know, like that's that's where it's a killer on the five-yard line where you have Heinrich Harburg or you have Jeff Sims. You're probably calling quarterback last in those situations. Yeah, You're not really true. doing that's... that with Chubba Purdy. And I think partly because you just don't know what you can trust of him. And he's physically not as imposing. I don't care. Why not? He was running. For, he looked great I, running. I would have liked it. it. I would have preferred it. I, I'm I with you. I would looked, never have put one, the ball in the air. That broken play where he broke diagonal and kind of went through the middle of the line. He looked great. He looked like, uh, like faster than I thought. I thought he looked good running. Here, let me ask you. Here's an interesting way to analyze it. And I know we're running out of time, but I don't care. So, um... I guess we're not in radio. We can go as long as we want. All right. So you can look at it. You can look at it in two ways. You got, how do you rank him in terms of floor? And how do you rank him in terms of ceiling? And by floor, I think that really basically means, is there one that you trust over the others more not to turn it over? It, it, does that exist in this, uh, I, in this world? No. I mean, they're, they're, are they all like, the same to you? In, they're all going to turn the ball over, right? There's varying degrees as to how crippling or how often, like, <laughs> I think I trust Heinrich Harburg the most that his turnovers are largely just going to be the result of the ball fluttering in the air. The problem I have there is it can happen at any time on any throw and he's not able to see the field for open receivers. So there's, there's limitation for him with Jeff Sims. I feel like the, the offense can probably operate the smoothest or he has the ability to set up the receivers probably the best, but I can't trust his, you know, I, I can't watch another lazy half-ass throw like he did with those mechanics and think like I'm putting my team in their best chance to, to be able to win, uh, let alone the fumble issues, let alone again, 11 turnovers and 11 quarters of action. Like that is just unbelievable. He's played in three games in which he played three quarters. And in those three games, he had 10 turnovers, 10. Like you, like this is absurd. Um, you know, so like there's that. And then you have Chuba, who we watched all of last year do nothing. Uh, I mean, he's again, 22 of 47 for three interceptions and 140 some yards. That was his numbers from last year. That was across three different games. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I don't have any desire to see that because I don't, I don't think it's going to go well. I just don't. I, and a lot of it to me is if Heinrich Harburg can give you something, um, with his legs, and I think you go with him. If he can't give you anything with his legs, you can't play. You can't yeah, play he, Heinrich Harburg. If he's like the if guy that he, you know, if he's the guy that was is the guy that he was the last two weeks, I don't. I think that's. I don't know if you can it just yeah. injury wise. Then he might be off the table. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and it's it's not. Listen, you are you sound like you are shooting too high for who you're looking for in this discussion, Mike. We are looking for. I mean, we are looking for the best of a of a of a you know, a tough situation right now. You're not getting, look, you're, you're, you're getting issues with all of them for sure. Obviously I, I, I am fully it's, aware that you're going to get just who has the least, who, who is the, who's the least likely to turn it over is one part of it. And then who is the most likely then to get that play that you were talking about earlier in the show? The, the, I think it's the Jeff two, Sims. Unfortunately, I think it's Sims. Uh, assuming again, I don't know that Harburg's going to be healthy enough to run the ball. And if you can't have Helbert or Harburg, as a running option for you, you don't need him on the field. Like then at that point, I would rather have, if, if Harvard can't run, I would rather have Chubba Purdy. Like that's, that's where I'm at. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. I feel gross saying that. I, I, I want to see, listen, I, and maybe it's just, I haven't seen enough of them to see the foibles and I'm sure they're there, but I'd still, I still want to see what Purdy does. I still want, I still don't. He He's had a year, Mike. I haven't been in practice. He's had a year since that. Illinois in that Minnesota game last year, right? I haven't seen him since then. Uh, I guess the spring game. I feel like there's a reason we haven't seen him. <laughs> Just like there's a reason that they didn't go back to Jeff Sims when Heinrich Harburg started turning the ball over. Like, I think at practice, they're seeing over and over and over. 
that you're not, I don't know. I think I think they wanted to go back to Sims. There. I think they always wanted to go back to Sims. I don't think it's because he wasn't looking good in practice. I think they wanted to. Well, I mean, they they've had the ability to. They certainly could have in the Michigan State game, and they they did obviously would, against Maryland. And it we feels saw like why. there's more there. Feels like yeah. there's more there. I, I you know, I mean, if if you could be like Mike Jeff Sims is only going to have two turnovers in the Wisconsin game. I, oh, yeah, I would take that right now. I would take it. Two turnovers is the number. That's the that is yeah. again. Three is the expectations. Three. Two is up. Two is above average. Four is worse than average. Have you ever covered a team where you've said to yourself, two turnovers is an acceptable amount for them to be able to win a football game?" <laughs> I, I can't think I, I've ever said that in my life. And here I don't we are. Think, listen, there's a lot of things I haven't done. I've never said two turnovers. That'd be great. Nor have I seen a turnover happen, and a part of me is like, oh, good. That happened in their side of the – it happened. Uh, so they're going to still have a long field after that turnover. Like that, especially when it's a long pass. I, it feel, I'm like, oh, good. The turnover that we knew we were getting, it just didn't happen in our own territory. So that's always good. Yeah. yeah. It's it, or, or beginning a drive and saying, well, I hope they can get 20 yards before the turnover. A great scenario if they can actually get a punt. That would be amazing. That's it feels like a touchdown now. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Jack, I appreciate it. Uh, this this went basically how I anticipated it would. It would <laughs> I don't know what that means, you know, but okay. Us <laughs> us haggling over the amount of acceptable turnovers and trying to debate between three bad options at quarterback. That's you know that's where this fan base is at. We represent what people are discussing all of the time, uh, and we're happy to do so here. Hey at Husker 24-7. So for uh, Jack Mitchell, I'm Mike Shaver. Be sure to check out everything we got going on at Husker 24-7. We'll have plenty of coverage. Leading up to the Wisconsin game, there are three basketball games uh, this upcoming week. That can help take your mind off Thank of football. Goodness. Three yeah. games before Nebraska football plays and the Husker Hoops cast, the Husker 24-7 Hoops cast, yes. will return on Tuesday as well. I know – I know that Jack Mitchell listened. He listened to the debut episode. I'm a fan. Paid endorser. Big fan. <laughs> so we'll have that uh, coming for you as well as all of our normal coverage. There's plenty of recruiting going on, too. High school playoffs have gotten down to the championship game, so we'll have some previews for that leading up to Monday and Tuesday of the following week, uh, heading into Thanksgiving as state title games are going to be played at Memorial Stadium. Someone's going to be leaving the stands happy. How about that, you know? That's good. People will be excited about that. So all that more at Husker 24-7. Yep. We'll catch yep, you next time. That's good. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.